Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible Berry Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Power Suits and Pillow Talk, where professional success meets personal liberation. I'm Jen Koken, and alongside me is the extraordinary Lori Handlers. In each episode, we journey into the duality of modern women who want to conquer corporate barriers by day and dispel bedroom myths by night. We celebrate these powerhouse women, the ones who are redefining success professionally and personally. Join us for an exciting exploration into empowerment, breaking boundaries, and unabashedly embracing all facets of womanhood. Welcome to an episode of Power Soups and Pillow Talk. I'm Laura Handlers, your host. My co-host, Jen Koken, is not going to join us today. So this is a special show with me only. It's a rarity, but it's happened. And I'm interviewing my new husband, Michael Gibson, who's been on many podcasts with me and I've been on many podcasts with him. Mm-hmm. And today we're talking about a new subject. We're talking about power suits and pillow talk. The main subject of this show is about high power women and how powerful they are both in the boardroom and in the bedroom. And so I thought it would be a really good idea to interview you because I know you intimately and you know me intimately. And I thought for the men that listen to this show and for women who listen to this show, it would be good to know how it is to be with a powerful woman who is powerful in both ways. And like, if you could talk about workarounds that you have to do or things, but first let me introduce you as who you are, okay? Okay. So uh, I'd like to introduce you all to Michael Gibson. And Michael Gibson is my new husband, but he and I have been dating for nine years. Oh my God. (laughs) And uh, Michael is the founder of the Academy for Men, which is a place that educates men on how to be really great lovers, how to be wonderful men, present and safe and uh, safe containers for women to be with, how to touch, how to listen, how to be, I said, present. Being present is the biggest thing. So Michael is that. He's also the creator of Extraordinary Lovers Retreats, which is something that we do together for couples. And he is um, my husband of one month. (laughs) (laughs) By the time this airs, though, you'll probably be my husband for like two months. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yes, probably. So welcome to this show, Power Suits and Pillow Talk, Michael. Thank you, Lori. Thank you for having me. It's really delightful to be here. Thanks for agreeing to be my guest. It was our virtual assistant, Ariel, and my idea to interview you when Jen was out. We thought, well, the cat's away, the mice will play. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Only kidding. Only kidding. So, yeah, so you met me, Mm. and one of the very first things I said to you was in in our first meeting in a second meeting i said to you i will disrupt your life yes you did and you kind of 
didn't know what that meant. You thought it was a gauntlet I was throwing down, but you didn't really know, like, okay, what do I do with this? I had no context for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you found out who I, who, <laughs> you found out who I am in the world. Mm -hmm. So how did you navigate that? Like, let's say, you know, somebody's listening to this show. Someone like me is listening to the show. Like, how, what do we do? And then someone like you is listening to the show. Like somebody, a man person is listening mm -hmm. to the show. What do they do? And that may be too broad of a question, but how did you, when I first said, I'll disrupt your life, what went through your head? I didn't know. I felt, that's a great question, by the way. The, the initial thing that went through my mind was, yeah, this woman's putting, she's laying down a gauntlet for me. Perhaps it's her way of um, introducing me or, or initiating me into this, you know, whatever this was. Mm. We weren't sure about relationship. All we knew was that we were going to date. And that was my question. Can we date? And, and then you told me, yes, but warning. Surgeon General's <laughs> warning. <laughs> <laughs> I will disrupt your life. And I went, great, I'm game for it. The, the reason that I was able to do that was because I know myself pretty well. I think I had been, you know, I'm 55. At the time, I was 46. Oh, you're 55? I'm Almost. January, yeah. okay. January 3rd. Birthday's coming up, so okay. I'm considering myself. No, no, I filled out a form today that said what yeah. your age was. and I 54 went, okay, until I turned 55, okay. yes, ma'am. <laughs> I knew myself pretty well at the time and and I you know I do and and I feel like there was part of me that said you know it, it's sort of like whatever challenge that comes up and in those challenges in life that you're not ready for um are the ones that are the scariest but I've been through a lot you know I've I've been around the block a few times and so I wasn't really I wasn't afraid of you know, this, um, what, what was being said to me. And I realized later, um, there was nothing to be afraid of anyway, but it was sort of like, oh, oh, now I get it, you know? And what was that? What did you get? Well, I remember you saying to me, I'm known in the world. Mm. And I was just getting to know who you were in the world. Mm. And that wasn't frightening for me at all. However, I was like, I'm not known in the world. And you didn't know if you wanted to be known I didn't. I in the world. Sure and I said, there's that. no get. If you're with me, there's no escaping it. Right. People actually know me all over the world. That's right. So there was that was part of the disruption. I wasn't really aware that you were so known in the world. And there was a part of me that um, felt like, oh shit, I don't want to be on anybody's, uh, you, you know, spotlight. I don't want to have, you know, a, I, I don't want to have a microscope on my life. I don't want, you know what I mean? I don't want to be a public figure. There was part of that. <laughs> and, um, but the other part Too of it, late. yeah, the other part of it was that, uh, there was, there was a lot of brewing inside of me that had a, I, I think it was, there was a lot inside of me that had had it's was trying to emerge it was trying to awaken and it was definitely in your um spotlight that i was able to start to see some of what it was that i wanted to create in the world and i i wasn't really aware of this is something that i want for you know for my life or for uh, that i want to offer to the world or anything like that um, but there were some, there were some real things that I had before I met you, I had been working on that I felt like had some real value, but I wasn't interested in sharing it with anybody. I was just interested in learning about it for myself. And you know what I'm talking about? I'm yeah. talking about how, um, how I, how, how pleasure works inside of a woman, how, um, how to bring a woman to orgasm and sustain pleasure over a long period of time and pr produce multiple orgasms like those kinds of things for me were very interesting and in how the body works and so I was doing all this study um, I was reading tons of different books and also um, taking some courses and you know practice like real hands-on practice to learn how to do those kinds of things 
And, uh, and as you said, I learned some things about uh, sensual and sexual pleasure for women specifically that I was able to then transmit uh, through something we developed together called the Academy for Men. Right, right. So, okay, good. So you didn't balk. Like my point here is like, I threw a gauntlet down and you were like, okay, I'm game. And you didn't balk. Now, for people listening to us, how would a man prepare himself to be with a woman of power? Like, what are some of the things that you did? Like, you didn't balk, and and that was, unless I met you and you were in a power position, who I meet those people all the time, yeah. and you weren't, you were, you were a network engineer. And right. so you were, like, <laughs> hidden behind uh, <laughs> computers and plugs and wires and things like that so you were not in the spotlight at all and so to be that secure in yourself you prepared but you didn't know you were preparing you were just doing what you were doing what did you do what would what would someone need to do to feel secure in themselves especially men today because men today are somewhat lost yeah you know if we if we go down some other rabbit holes, we could talk about how men have had their butt balls cut off yeah. and, uh, and they're lost. They don't. And I, you know, and I often take responsibility for being a, a uh, first or second uh, line feminist. And uh, wave, you know, so first wa- wave, wave, right. Yeah. I couldn't remember the, the yeah. name of the, the wave, which said, you know, don't light my cigarette don't open the car door don't <laughs> don't ask me out on three dates you know i i can take care of myself i don't need you i can do these things it's certainly not i'm not a feminist anymore because of craziness but what would you what did you do to prepare yourself to be to be pretty secure in yourself i i think i have I think I have a fairly accurate view of my own worth and value. I wouldn't say I'm over, like, I don't over, you know, I don't over expand myself, right? Like, I don't think bigger of myself than I am, but I know who I am. I know my value. I know my, uh, my personal worth, whether it's in the world or whether it's just to myself and, and what I'm capable of. And that, that took something for me to actually learn that. And also, yeah. it, and it included some real personal work. So the things that, one of the ways that I, um, I would say that I prepared was that I did work with Landmark. So you did the Landmark Forum? Yeah. The advanced course? The communications course, uh, both communications. So, you know, all the advanced communication course. Self-expression leadership. Yeah. Wisdom course. I did the wisdom course twice. Okay. By the time I met you. Um, what else? And I, I, practically everything that they offer except for ILP and um, teams. So, okay. So you could just go and look at <laughs> Landmark. Landmark Education. Yeah. And, and There's a only- plug for Landmark Education. Sometimes I Absolutely. don't plug it. Sometimes I I say critical things or make fun of it because I had such a history with it. But this is a plug for that. That's really good personal work. So that was one of the things that I did. Another thing that I did was I actually got involved um, or I studied under Alison Armstrong. Yes. So Alison has, you know, several programs that are either co-ed or for men. And one of them is called the Heroes Challenge. I highly recommend it. I think I've done it four times now, maybe. And um, she also has, you know, women's programs, Queen, uh, the Queen Queen's Code, Code, Queen's Code, and a number of others. Uh, and and men don't take that co- course. Uh, however, I've had you know beloveds in that course, and they've told me a lot of beautiful things about it. But I also did some of the work that she has. It's available for co-ed, so you know, you're coupled together. Um, and 
I, I love her work. I think her work is um, probably the central, most powerful work in my life, apart from Landmark. Okay, great. But you also did you did size seminars. I did, yes. And you and you anything else? Anything else in terms of big group seminars? Um, well, ISTA. But that was after I met you. You met ISTA and I you Kate met me. You met ISTA. You met me and I said to you, why don't you come and see what I really do? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know well, how you disrupted my life, I think, was is also important to talk about. I think we should talk about that a little bit later. But um how I prepared myself was in my life, I was always out there searching for what could make me better. What how do I polish this stone? so that it shines and I can actually see my mirror in it, right? How do I work on myself so that I'm someone who can communicate clearly and also who can understand a communication without like spinning? You know, one of the things that I did as a young man and in my first marriage was I would spin. And if you don't know what that is, it's sort of like, you know, you have this trigger that happens to you and then all of a sudden, you begin to spin downward, downward, downward until you get to the point where you're just in this rage and fighting with your person. Yeah, that's like, that's called select, provoke, distort. Correct. But it would happen everywhere in my life. So it wasn't just in my relationship no. with my wife. It was with my father. It was with, you know, other people. It was in my work environment. Um, and I didn't know about that. And, and then I learned it. And those are, so those are some of the things that I had to go through to actually get myself to the point where I felt like I was, I was secure in myself. Nonviolent communication also helps Absolutely. that. That's Absolutely. great. Good. So you did work for the sake of doing work. Mm -hmm. You didn't do work because someone said to you, you need to do this. No one was trying to fix you. I No, I was trying to fix me. <laughs> that's not true i was trying to fix me okay but that's really good i mean it's great that you did that there are there are many people who think they're self-made and they won't seek help they won't go and uh stretch beyond a very narrow uh lane yeah and and you went out of your lane quite a few times to to find answers to yourself which is like seeking and that's uh and that's it's formidable actually it's it's not it's it's uh worthy of note of mentioning and it's formidable when you put it all together the amount of personal uh study and inquiry that you went on to to fix yourself yeah and, and it was born out of a feeling of brokenness of it was born out of you know a young I was a young man coming into the world and and feeling broken feeling you know I was I was placed in foster care at the age of 10 by my mother and she was having you know severe depression and all those kinds of things and so when that happened that was a major landmark in my life yeah when that took place that moment I then was like I felt like my mother doesn't love me or my father and my father left when I was like two or three. Right. So, so no one loved you. So I was, I was like, what's wrong with me? There's something wrong with me. And, right. and I went through life very angry about that for a long time. But there came a time where I actually got it that, you know what, if I don't, I can't solve my own problems if I continue to be the victim. And so at some point I woke up and it was probably when I was 28, 29 years old. And that's when I actually started on this path of self-improvement. So great. It's really great. It's commendable, I want to say. And it's what, uh, it's not the initial thing that attracted me to you, but it's the thing that we discussed mm -hmm. that said, that told me that, yeah, we should date. Like you had invested so much in your own personal growth without somebody dragging you there. I've been teaching seminars for 25 years. And before that I worked at Landmark Education and mostly right. someone dragged their partner yeah. in to my work. I'd say, well, what brought you here? And they, they would point, she did, or he did. And then in Landmark, when I used to be the an enrollment manager, I'd say, well, how did you hear about us? My partner's making me do it. 
So what I love about you and what I what I glommed onto that evening was you're doing this on your own. You're doing this because you see merit in it. And that's my kind of person. Somebody who would just do it. I didn't. No one made me. Someone invited me. I heard about the S training. I mean, since 1970, but I was never going to do it. I was going to hang out with Warner Earhart if I got the chance. Right. And then uh, a lover of mine said, I'm doing the S training next weekend. I'll let you know all about it. And I thought, oh, no, not you, too. <laughs> and then he, he said to me, he called me and he said, it was so great. I'll pay for you to do it. And I said, you don't need to pay for me to do it. I'll do it. And so I did it in Santa Barbara. And he flew from Boston or Florida or somewhere to be there on my graduation night. Right. To say, I'm so excited for you. Like, you have no idea what's going to open up in your life. And I had that excitement, you know, 20 some years later. And I met you and you had the same excitement. Right. I was like, how did this happen? Yeah. Well, and I became addicted to one of the, you know, the great tenets of the landmark experience is um, is generating possibility is the creation of a possibility in life. Something that was not going to happen is now happening. And we're moving something that didn't ever move before. Like that sounds kind of jargony, right? But the reality is, is that this possibility that I now have in love with you, right? In the love with you has moved something that has never moved before in the planet. And you and I are now in in partnership creating this world that we want, which is women and men dancing, dancing in, in eternal, eternal ecstasy, ecstasy on earth, earth now. That's powerful. That's very powerful. Yeah. And we're doing it because we think couples are an endangered species. Absolutely. So, you know, part of the reason that Jen and I do this show is because we know that for women who are very empowered, it's difficult to meet people to partner with whether they be same sex attractions or opposite sex attractions it's it's hard to meet people who can stand up to us who can who can show up and go you know i'm my own person i'm not going to get absorbed by you i'm going to be sovereign and i'm also but i'm going to groove with you i'm going to have fun with you i'm going to love you and i'm gonna see you in both your power or your masculine aspect and i'm gonna see you in your feminine aspect when you surrender i can hold you i can hold it all it's rare but you did the prep work for it Mm -hmm. so thank you (laughs) you're welcome something else i wanted to mention was that i also um did work with uh, a man named decker who was the inspiration for this thing that you and I talk a lot about, which is called presence. And um, he has something called the Authentic Man Program. I think it's out of the Bay Area. But I, I get I have to give a lot of props to him for teaching me that, because without presence, you know, bad shit happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, Frank Mondo. Yeah, exactly. If you don't have presence, bad shit happens. So being present, a lot of people don't even know what that is. Like they're so, their mind is like, the way I used to think of my mind was um, like 42nd Street in New York. Oh my God. Like the ticker tape going around and around and around, you know, all the ads and the things going around. And now it's even worse there than when I was growing up. So I used to call that my New York state of mind. Oh yeah. And, um, I think most people, because of the personal devices that people are on all day long, scrolling and computers and TV and Netflix or whatever, people have so much going through their brains. And then there's, you know, theories about everything and uh, arguments about theories about everything. And there's all social media. People just can't sit still. Mm -hmm. They can't stop fidgeting. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's... um... It's overload. It's it's a constant need to to be stimulated. Yeah. Now I used to think 
in in days gone by that men well men told me this men told me that when they went to war they they were so hyped up and excited and on full presence and awareness all the time especially if they were in some kind of trench mm -hmm. that when they came home like finding a person a partner and then getting married was like nothing compared to the letdown of coming out of the trenches right. like war was their most peak experience not falling in love now i feel like people's peak experience is their is their telephone their <laughs> iphone or their droid Right. And that their and the partner that of their dreams or whoever they might be looking for is secondary to the news flashing through their eyes, and their and their brain stimulation at, at all times. I yeah, I resonate with that uh, a lot because even I fall, you know, I fall victim to it. And there's a big part of me that um, gets addicted to the the never ending scrolling to find the next thing that's going to give me a, a dopamine hit. Right. It's it's like I'm on heroin. Like my phone is not my heroin. <laughs> right. And I, I've never done heroin, but it feels like you know, I'm constantly hitting the hitting the heroin pipe. Um and, and that's unfortunate because there is no presence in that. There, there's there's a loss of it's almost like reversing the things that I learned, being present, being complete in myself knowledge of who I am, what I'm, what matters to me. You know, those are the things that I think that if you pursue, I'm reading a book right now by Marcus Aurelius and he didn't write a book, but he wrote the books about him. It's, it's actually his meditations. Mm -hmm. And he was an emperor of the Roman, uh, of the Roman empire. And he wrote these meditations for himself. And he wasn't going to hand him off to his son. He wasn't, you know, his son murdered him, actually. So the kid didn't really turn out for Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> However, he wrote these, these um, amazing passages. And, and this is what is considered Stoicism now. These are what the Stoics use mm -hmm. and, and have over the centuries because somebody found them and then began, Epicurus and others, began to utilize this way of being, not just a way of thinking, but a way of being mm. that um, that is is very honorable, that, that that holds, you know, allows a man to really hold his honor. And um, and now that I see that, you know, when I when I read the book and I and I slow down, I start to see that the things that really matter to me, that really impact me and my world are the things that I move slowly through. I don't necessarily have to just scroll through it and get to it fast. I don't have to YouTube, you know, get a YouTube education on it. I can learn it slowly, but it, it takes something. Like it takes presence, it takes attention. And isn't that the thing, just because you're using the word slowly, I'm gonna bring in every time I've had a women's panel and I said to women, men, men wanna know what you want. Mm -hmm. What do you want? And mostly women don't know what they want, but they all know one thing. Slow the fuck <laughs> down. Right. So if you say you could move through something slowly, you could move through a woman's body slowly. Mm -hmm. That's already a clue into having a powerful woman surrender or any woman surrender is moving slowly, like not moving fast, not, not being in a rush, being patient and moving slowly. And be in showing that you can be present and lead. You could take charge. You could, it's like doing the tango, you know, or whatever, any That's partner great. dance. That's great. So you literally were prepared. Mm -hmm. And the point I'm making here, and the point I want people to make is um, landmark education is still going strong. So I know there's, I'm not going to, vouch for every landmark graduate can't do that but i'm gonna say that men who have been trained who have put their themselves and risked putting themselves into learning and distinguishing things that are really important in life like possibility mm. um are better candidates 
than those who are too tough think it's too think it's something they have a judgment about going to class you know i'm just going to say that i think that i think that you i mean that was so appealing to me when i met you well you and i are both uh, lifelong students of life right mm -hmm. lifelong students of life mm -hmm. to be said in a full statement and uh, it's one of the like even now I'm still taking courses I'm in a course right now with Tony Robbins I mean right. I've, done, I've done a couple of his things and I'm looking forward to doing his business stuff like so there's always this part of you and I that this is where our values match really well yeah education self-education mm -hmm. self-learning so if you're a man transformation if you're if you're a man the, the funny thing is is we're seeing this <laughs> this really odd um dynamic happening between men and women in this stage of history where men have to be high value in order for a beautiful woman to want to be with him you know and there's some there's some strange things that have shown up he's got to be six foot two and he's got to make over a hundred thousand dollars a year like these there are nothing now a million dollars there are women out there right now who are saying that i've seen a, a few of these videos where they're being called out, you know, hey, do you, do you even know the statistics on how many men there are that are, it's like 0.4% or something like that are six, uh, six foot two, and another percentage of them only make $100,000 a year or more. And, and the number down gets whittled down to zero point or 0.017% of all men, six foot two and making that much money. And they're like, now you know why these guys are players because you set them up to be players. They're the ones but that are going fucking all of you beautiful women, but it's just a handful of guys and they're not going to marry you. They don't need to. Why would they? But then there are men who are five foot nine, five foot eight, five foot ten, who make, you know, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars a year, millions of dollars a year. But because of their height, they're disqualified. Mm -hmm. Well, what qualifies a man, okay, is his personal value how he sees himself and knows himself to be mm -hmm. and how a woman sees a man is completely different. Well, it's, it's part of it is um, based on biology, mm -hmm. you know, like the gene pool, like, will this person be a good provider? Will this person be a good husband? Will this person be a good father? Do they have good genes? Right. I once saw this study about faces Ooh. and people who have perfectly symmetrical faces and um, women look at men's faces to see if they have symmetrical faces. That means something good about gene pools. I don't know. Sure. Denzel Washington has a symmetrical face. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So did you want to go further with that point? You know, like. No, I, I just want to say that it's it's interesting how men have in the past, and this is not the men that you and I are around, but, but. For the, the like the larger swath of men mm -hmm. on the planet, right, are not actually looking to do the kind of work that would increase their value, not monetarily. No value, like intrinsic value as like a human being. Value as a human being. Yeah, right. they're too busy like grinding that stone or 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 whatever, uh, posturing. Right. And so women look around and they go, "Where are the good men?" And then you know. But women don't necessarily these days give men a chance either. It's still it's such a battle of the of the sexes. But I hear things, you know, like today I heard one of my colleagues say that her husband was studying energy with another one of our colleagues, and and she said, you know, he'll share with us uh, these various things about about the chakras. And I thought, wow, how great! Can't wait to hear that. And then. On the other hand, yesterday, an, another woman colleague of mine said that she was on, she had her eighth date planned with someone and they were planning to spend the night together. They had discussed it and they had already been out and knew each other. And they were, they weren't talking about relationship the same way you and I weren't, but they were talking about playing with some intimacy and, um, and sensuality and sexuality. And then he ghosted her. Didn't even show up to her house didn't, or to wherever they were going to meet. Didn't call her. Didn't leave her a text. And, you know, 
I want to say that back in the day, those kinds of things happened to me. And I would be like, I remember somebody coming. I For a while, I was a bartender, you know, in a jazz club. And I remember someone coming in there and asking me out. He was like enthralled with me. And then he didn't show on the time that we were supposed to go out. And then um, six months later, he came back in mm. and, and said, apologized up the hill, up, up and down and sideways. And then said, would I go out with him again? And I said, yes. And he goes to me again. We didn't have the word ghost then. Right, but He did happened. it again. And I thought, son of a bitch. <laughs> Why do they do that? And a friend of mine in the, at that time tried to explain to me that men, I don't know, you'll tell me this is true, okay. that men foresee the future. Like they see, um, I like her. Hmm, let's see, do I like her enough to marry her? Well, if I married her, then we'd probably get a divorce. Then I, so I just shouldn't bother. And they just, they see, they play the whole tape in their heads down to the divorce. And then they just go, no, I don't think I want to do it. And then they just don't show up. They don't call, they don't write. Does that, do you know men who do, do you know if men do that? Absolutely, we do. <laughs> we do. Oh my God, I'm ringing the bell. My friend Tina Connor was right. I heard that from Allison Armstrong. She tells, she she has this one bit in a program that she does where she talks about men being ready to get married. Actually, it's in this really great audio that you can get at her website, um, alisonarmstrong.com, and it's called The Amazing Development of Men. It's in that program. I have that program on my, oh, I think I have that on my computer. And, uh, I'll tell you, when she talks about it, it's like men need to be ready. What does that mean for a man to be ready to get married? He's already thinking about retirement with this woman. He's beyond having, in his mind, I'm not ready because I don't have enough money. I haven't established myself. My kingdom isn't secure enough in order to marry you, have a child, um, have multiple children, um, educate them, then put them through college, and then see their grandchildren being born and raised and he's thinking so far ahead into retirement like how is he going to build this empire for now that's the kind of man who you know you you kind of want to think about anyway but the problem being is that if he cannot pull the trigger even though he's not sure of himself way out then then you should know that up front yeah Thank you. Next. I mean, exactly. that's how I felt, but it hurt my feelings. I was like, this schmuck, he had the nerve to come in again a year later, six months to a year later and and be attracted again and then well, have the nerve. I'm, I'm sort of guilty of it a little bit because we broke up. Do you remember that? We did break up. It wasn't because I wasn't, you know, um, sure of myself or any of those other things that I mentioned. It was more because I wasn't sure that I could be in relationship with someone who's 21 years older than me and, you know, the same age as my mother. And I was concerned about what my friends would say, you know, and, and even my mother would say and whoever else was in my life at the time. Um, and I had a fairly sizable, uh, you know, social circle at the, at the time. And I was worried about that. However, what changed for me was when I recognized that you didn't need anything from me. You actually said, I don't need anything from you. I don't want anything from you. I want you to know that you're lovable and that I love you and you're loved. And I want you to go into your life knowing that you're loved and you're lovable. So imagine here's this kid from Riverside. Okay, who um, doesn't really believe he's lovable, who thinks that people just want things from him. And that has been his experience for a lot of many men, many men of his life feel that any any man. And, you know, and then, you know, is concerned. How do I how do I make this work? And then when you and I got back together, uh, we started to see each other again. You asked me, you said, what is this? What are we doing here? And by then, I already knew I wanted you. I wanted to be in relationship with you, and I wanted it to be long-term. 
But what I said to you was, let's create it. I don't know. I don't know what this is. Let's create it. And that's when we actually started to live in the world of possibility. So, yeah. Yeah. So what, what can we, okay. So I've already said that men need to prepare themselves. You know, I've pulled that out of you. Men need to do some training on their own. Um, aside from business skills and martial arts or or war skills they need to have they need to do human relation training human skills mm -hmm. whether it's nonviolent communication or landmark education or whatever it is yeah. and for women what can we they learn from me saying to you i don't need anything from you i just mm -hmm. want you to know that you're lovable you know i don't think every woman has that in her in her makeup I think a lot of women do need things from men, but maybe the women that we're talking about on this show, power suits and pillow talk, maybe these women, I'm hoping, my fingers are crossed, <laughs> maybe these women don't need anything and would very much like to have something, but don't need anything and could still love somebody, could still find somebody lovable and not be needy. Yeah. It's a, it's tough, you know, it's very tough. Women can't go around just going, oh, I want to get laid. It doesn't... It's easy for women to get laid. It is, but it's not... It doesn't feel good to, like, have sex with somebody and be ghosted. It feels terrible. It does, yeah. It feels terrible. Um... So women are cautious often about who they, you know, they may go through wild streaks. I certainly went through a lot of wild streak, but um, at some point we don't want to just give our bodies over to people who aren't present, mm -hmm. who have no skills. If they are six foot two, but so what? Yeah. And, um, and we want to know that someone's going to care about us like we need presence and we need some aftercare. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's not easy to say, I don't need anything from you and let it be, mm. let it be like that. But that's what it took. Yeah. That's what it took for us. So it's, it's it, you know, everyone's got to figure this out for themselves. Like, what's the trade-off? Is it transactional? Mm. Or is it worth risking? This could be the person. And he's not six foot two, and he isn't all those things that, you know, he's, but it's, he's a person of substance. Can we see beyond that? And can, and, and the men need some, training and some landing strip to see beyond what they see well i would say you're a high-powered woman you're very well connected known in the world so if i were to take a woman with that kind of um level of status and you know if we were to call it status if, but that that level and quality of a woman and power who is a ceo of a company owns, owns multiple businesses has like like yourself like all yeah. these things um, had you know has amassed her own uh, empire. How does a man, let's say, who strip away everything, all he has is himself, is who he is. How does he not be intimidated by that? Right by the fact that you know there is a let's call it a um, uh, a gap between resources or or that kind of thing and he's not well known in the world and he's not you know he, so how does a man not be intimidated by her and still be his own strength power and sovereign being that's where the gap is can hold himself that's where the gap is right there so if a man can't hold himself he's not holding anyone else so, if he doesn't understand his own emotions, 
if he doesn't understand, you know, these basic things around communication, around um, comprehension, um, some level of intellect. And presence. And presence. Then he's not going to be, you know, he's, he's not really ready for uh, that quality of a, of a woman in his life. And he's got to do the work ahead of time. And, and, and it's not something, yeah, it's, he, he has to do it. You can't fake your way. No. You can, so, so women, you need to vet these people, these possible partners. You need to vet them to see where what they've done besides make money or go to work or yeah. whatever it is. They don't have to have the same kind of uh, maybe empire that you have, but they have to have some skills. Skills are important, and the skills we're talking about are human skills, not carpenter skills or <laughs> mechanic skills or even office politics skills. They're actually skills for human relating. For human relating, I think when you have that, you, a person's not so intimidated by the fairer sex being so powerful. Yeah. You're not intimidated by powerful women. You hold your own and they love you. Mm. Mostly powerful women love you. I think it's women who have no power who are a little intimidated by you. Mm. They're intimidated by me too. So Yeah. So well that's that's actually um I think that's actually a, a kind of a normal response um to a powerful person. You know, you get around a powerful person and you're maybe not so much intimidated, but a little bit like you're resonating because there's there's something going on over there yeah um, yeah yeah so i feel good i feel good about this show i feel like this show unearthed some very important things mm. for people with power suits and pillow talk i think it 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 shows some uh some discernment some ways of looking at things mm. and for everybody who's ever been ghosted or broken up with because they were too much, too old, too this, too that. My heart goes out to you because I'm all those things. And I found somebody who came back because he he didn't think I was too much. And I I I was very vulnerable and in surrender when I said, I don't need anything from you. You're lovable. Just go live your life like you're loved. Yeah. There is one thing I think we can tag on to this at the very end here. What is that? And and it's the concept of how, you know, how does a woman go from being super powered and in charge and the CEO and the, you know, all those things to the soft and the feminine and the submissive even and the surrendered woman in the pillow talk part of this, like in the bedroom, right? And, and um, I would assert that she needs a masculine man. Mm. She needs a man who actually, or the man actually needs to be masculine to the point where she is so safe because of his presence. She's so safe that she can surrender her control. She can surrender the masculine, which actually is how she uh, functions all day long, functions all and all that. Yes. And she is that. But when she comes home and he she is, could be in the feminine, he's there for her. You see, in the I say it this way, in the absence of the masculine, the feminine becomes masculine or pissed off. One of the two. Or <laughs> so when we're not being masculine we're not holding that space we're not holding that um it, it's this it's presence um a woman needs presence and to be seen and to be met and then to be held so as a man in our masculine these are the four tenets of of let's call it um, holistic masculinity we're present right we see we can meet and we can hold. If we can do that, then you and your masculine can set down your masculine, become feminine, and enjoy all the you know benefits 
of being held. Yeah, know? that's that, that's a lot said. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's a wrap. Yeah. That's really, really good. I want to, um, first of all, I want to thank you. I didn't prepare you for this. Well, maybe I prepared you for this in nine years and you prepared yourself for this in nine years, but I didn't tell you any of the things I was going to ask you today. I just said, you're going to come on Power Suits and Pillow Talk and you're going to, we're going to talk about it. So thank you. Thanks for, thanks for being open to it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I just love everything that we talked about and I want to give a couple of plugs. I want to plug, um, go love CBD. Love that stuff. Yeah, go love CBD for people who want to have a smooth CBD loop that makes sex a lot easier, less hurting and burning, and good for the inner skin. Uh, so you can go to golovecbd.com and you can get that and you can use the code PillowTalk and you'll get a 15% discount. And you can go back and listen to the show with Dr. Sadie. And you can find out more about her. She's amazing and she created this product. And then I also want to say to go to my website, lauriehandlers.com, and find out more about Michael's work and my work called Extraordinary Lovers. Because we feel couples are an endangered species. And I also want to give a plug for Jen's uh, website, which is jenkoken.com. Please go to that. That's Koken, C-O-K-E-N, Jen Koken. Uh, This is Laurie Handlers. I'm going to be signing off for Power Suits and Pillow Talk. Please, please like the show wherever you listen to it. Subscribe to the show and leave a comment. Let us know if there's a subject that you want us to cover. We would love to bring on any guests that you think would help you in being powerful both in the office space and in the bedroom space. Okay, much love. That's a wrap on another inspiring episode of Power Suits and Pillow Talk. We hope that our conversations continue to enlighten and encourage you on your journey of self-discovery and empowerment. Remember, there aren't any limits to what you can achieve, be it in your career or your personal life. I'm Jen Koken, and my amazing co-host is Lori Handlers, reminding you to keep smashing those ceilings and debunking those taboos. Until next time, keep dominating the boardroom and owning and taking up space in the bedroom. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B, and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid.